Welcome to Thawhack. Hey guys, uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Thawhack. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors at Blue Microphone, uh, Catalyst Case, Wildhorn Outfitters, and Sendstroke. Uh, today we have the benefit of speaking to Jamie Madovsky, who is currently the chief marketing officer for Wells Fargo. First, I, I'd really like to um, thank you. I appreciate you basically taking the time to to talk to me. I know it's been insane. Um, I could only imagine what's going on on your end, but I know it's been insane in general, um, <laughs> considering everything with COVID and now, I guess, the, the social climate. Uh, how have you been? Uh, very good. Thank you for asking. Very good. Keeps us busy, right? Um, and you know, it's, it's good to be challenged every once in a while with, uh, with a whole different world. So that's good. I think it, it pushes all of us to do things that we otherwise might not do. So that's okay. Not good. Not good for good reasons. I'd rather we have everybody healthy and safe, but, um, but I do think it's, it's causing people to reevaluate how they function. And that's not a bad thing, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, what what do you do um, specifically for Wells Fargo? Uh, chief marketing officer. So I manage all of the marketing for the company, which is everything from brand through business marketing and support. So things like at a brand level, sponsorships and brand strategy and brand identity. And then uh, as you go through into the business support, really the, the programs that drive revenue and, and customer impact and customer experience. Now, when, when dealing with a bank in, in regards to marketing, how have you seen things shift in, I, I want to say the last couple of years? I feel like, uh, especially with mm-hmm. the, the, um, the emergence of different fintech companies and like, you know, online banking or like, you know, yeah. the, it, what seems to be a shift away from like, you know, brick and mortar banks. How have you guys been adjusting to that? Yeah, I think that, you know, again, it's, um, I think it's been really good for us. I think that as consumer behavior changes, uh, you have to adapt to that. And I think, you know, fintech companies, uh, which is good, eat away at kind of the edges of what you do. I mean, as a, as, you know, a, a systemically important bank, you know, there's, they're not going to replicate the totality of what we do. And so it, it both, uh, spurs us on to be more innovative and more customer focused. Uh, but I think it also clarifies what it is about a big bank that's the benefit, right? That we operate at scale, that we can, um, that we are able to pass that on, that we have access to all channels, that we're not, you know, a pure digital play. We also have people on the phones and people in branches, which is something that consumers actually want when they want it. And so I think it's both clarified our competitive advantage at the same time as challenging us to ensure that we are at the forefront of innovation and particularly innovation around digital. And in regards to the marketing, has that presented any new challenges or has that just been a, a new exciting thing for you guys to uh, delve yeah. into? Yeah, absolutely both, right? Both. I mean, so obviously challenges, obviously the world of um, data and digital and the intersection of that in terms of uh, being able to leverage what for us is enormous amounts of data, but to do so in a way that is both um, appropriate and respectful for our customers. Um, is I think, you know, one of our greatest opportunities, but obviously a challenge, um, is how do we leverage that data to engage our customers when and where they want to be engaged 
in an appropriate way, right? And so, uh, the content management aspect of that, the data management aspect of that, um, the technology platforms, all of those are both challenges as well as op- opportunities, um, and have changed the way we operate. The other thing I would say is we now have, um, a large number of our employees working in an agile, um, in an agile mode, right? So they, it's a really different way of working so that we can move quicker, be in the market quicker, uh, and be more attuned to, um, some of the subtle shifts and things that are happening in the marketplace. So in, in respect to everything happening with COVID and this isn't really specific to Wells Fargo, but you just as a marketer, how do you feel like this shift has, like, I mean, I feel like it's, it's made things more creative, right? Uh-huh. Um, it's forced brands to yeah. look at their interaction with whether it's like, you know, clients or consumers or, uh, fans or however you want to look at it in, in new and interesting ways, ways they probably wouldn't have considered if none of this happened. Um, what, what yeah, excites you about right. all this happening? I, I feel like it's, it's this crazy new time where if, if you're not ready, it's scary, but you know, if, if you're okay with pivoting, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think the two biggest changes, like personally speaking, would be around transparency and agility, right? Which is, um, you know, I think consumers in general are, I mean, they're sort of interrelated because I think people want things faster. And clearly during the time of COVID, we've seen that, um, dramatically, right? Which is because people are engaging in their life through digital almost entirely, uh, they want things quicker and at their fingertips, right? The expectation is I should have this, I should have this quickly. And so that's where even things like in the retail world, you know, not being able to get your packages that day is really frustrating to people because they're used to that. And so that ability to like move quickly, get what they want when they want it, navigate, you know, their experience in a way that works for them. Um, all of that, I think is that agility piece. And then I think the transparency piece is, is because of the agility, people understand that it sometimes isn't going to be perfect or they don't necessarily know what they don't know. And they want you to be honest and transparent. And so as a brand and as a marketing organization, a lot of what we've really been focused on is how are we communicating with our customers in a way that is honest, transparent, uh, you know, real and simple, right? So that uh, we're creating a different kind of conversation than to your point would have happened three years ago where it was a little more uh, one directional, right? It was us to them or it was the customer to us. Uh, I'd say right now it's much more of a conversation, uh, whether it's in social media or other channels. And because of that, you have to change the way you operate and the way you think about under the, the level of trust that you're creating through that transaction. Well, there's... That makes sense. No, definitely. And the the idea that banking, where whereas this is just from my own personal experience, or I guess my own viewpoint, banking over time has been pulled into this cultural conversation, whereas before that, it's just kind of this thing. You need a bank account. It's not a big deal. It's right. like insurance or something like that. Whereas now you're, you're being pulled into this cultural conversation. And now with everything happening and like, you know, the craziness around, like, I guess, um, people sort of delving into more cultural things and breaking it apart and figuring out why things work like this or why things work like that. And people, I guess, being more open to societal shifts. How do you see banking 
taking on new roles in in people's lives outside of just your standard like yeah. checking account and so on and so forth. Well, I think if if nothing else, this crisis has really um, reinforced that, which is we we are there for our communities, we are there for our customers, and yes, it's to provide kind of basic financial products, but it is much more than that because it, we are in the fabric of all of those communities and those customers' lives. So whether it's you know home ownership or um, you know retirement or just navigate if you're a small business just navigating this crisis. Uh, Wells is in the middle of that, and we're in the middle of it not only because we serve individuals and individual companies, but because we do embed ourselves in communities, and we are, you know, extremely community-based in terms of our footprint, but also in terms of our philanthropy and the way we invest in our communities. And so I think, um, to your point, banks have both a business model that puts you there, but more importantly, I think a moral model that puts you into the communities that you serve. And so I think we've always been that way at Wells Fargo, and I think to your point, banks even more now are um, being asked and expected to play a role in society that's probably bigger than just being a provider of financial instruments, right? It's much bigger than that because we are a vital part of the economy. Um, and, it, you know, I think that uh, we run a program every holiday called the Food Bank where we tra- when we transform our bank grant food bank. And we do that because oh, we have these that. assets that we can we can leverage to the good of the, of the um, community. And so I think to your point, we are being asked to do that. I also think brands in general, whether they're banks or others, are being asked increasingly to um, play a more active and conscientious role in societal issues, right? And so uh, I think that's on every brand today, not just banks. So do you think with with everything going on, Wells Fargo had to make a shift or they kind of already were on on this path of, well, we've always felt like this or we've always yeah. thought like this. So we don't really have to shift or, or, or make any adjustments because we've always believed in this type of, of business or doing this type of, um, I guess less transactional and more like community based. I think we've always had that. I mean, I really do think because, um, you know, we've been, a presence in our communities for 160 years. And I, I really believe that, that, that if you talk to, we know from talking to our own customers uh, and communities that they view Wells Fargo differently. It's not about just writing a check, that our employees are incredible about volunteering in their communities. It's been a really core part of our culture, which is this idea that we're of and for the community. And, you know, we employ, and Jason can get this number right, but it's about one in 500 households uh, is a Wells Fargo employee. And so we are, we are, you know, a part and parcel of every community we're in. And so I really do think it's in the, it's in our DNA and our fabric. But that said, I think that the expectation of us being even more visible and more vocal and more um, providing more support uh, is still there. So for us, I think it was a natural uh, dialing up of what we do and articulating what we do maybe a little bit differently. But I think to your point, banks in general are being held to that standard. And for some, it's new. For us, it was part of our DNA. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, I didn't know about the food bank thing. If anything, I think there's a real opportunity for you guys to, I mean, be more more vocal in the stuff you you already have going on that people may not be aware of. Yeah, I agree. And you know, we've it's a bit of humility to be honest, which is uh, it's always kind of funny is that we've always been a little bit more humble about. Well, we don't want to tell our story and brag, right? Kind yeah, of don't, social media is so weird, though. We are. But I, 
but on the other hand, you're right. People, we probably need to do a better job of, of letting people know what the impact that we're having in communities because those who avail themselves of, of it know it, but not everybody does. And, and to your point, there's an awful lot that we do that, um, I think when people learn about it, are, it really changes their perceptions of Wells Fargo and the bank. Yeah, because I mean, social media is so weird in, in the respect of, yeah, you, you definitely want to be humble and you don't want to be braggadocious, but to a degree, if it's not broadcast or if it's not like explicitly like being said, it's almost like it's not happening. And you know, your, your average yeah. person isn't doing a ton of research. They're not, they're not looking into it. Um, people are getting their news from, from memes, which is insane, but I mean, it's, it's something that's happening. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think that, you know, to your point, uh, particularly in social, being able to engage, uh, and we've, and we have, we've had a lot of uh, amazing, I would say, kind of reactions and conversations to some of the things we do in social because people sort of say, like Food Bank is a great example of that where people say they want to be a part of it, right? And that's, that's what social so good at is not just telling your story, but inviting others to engage with you. And I think that's one of the, yeah, I'd say if there's a single area we've heavily invested in, it's really been our social presence. So uh, from a, a marketing perspective, again, we're going to step away from Wells Fargo for a second. From a marketing perspective, I mean, I've been seeing a lot of brands sort of scramble in the last couple of weeks in the wake of like, you know, everything happening with, um, I, I guess the, the cultural shift or people like protesting or what have you. What, what do you feel like brands can do to be more, I guess, culturally sensitive or, or more aware of, of their surroundings? You could kind of see like, uh, for example, that scramble, um, Starbucks made, which I was really surprised at because usually yeah. Starbucks is ahead of the curve. I, I look at them sort of like a, a media company in a way. What could other brands do yeah. to sort of stay ahead of the curve and I guess in an authentic way, um, be be culturally aware yeah i think you know it's a great question we invest a lot in listening and i think you have to as a brand today really be attuned not only to your in your own channels but you know outside your own channels right so what is the conversation what's the dialogue um i think you're exactly right which is um talking to your own employees i mean in our case and at starbucks case our employees are a mirror of society and so really engaging our employees also of how do they feel? How are they thinking? What's important to them um, is really important. So we have a lot of listening, whether it's social or internal or through our call centers, uh, to be able to understand and pick up on quickly themes and trends and respond to those. And so I think to your point, everybody, any brand right now has to be really in touch, not just with what they think they need to know or want to hear, but really in touch with what the conversation is and what the sentiment is and what people need and want. And, um, that's hard to do sometimes. I think it's a, it's a skill set <laughs> to do that. And it's a discipline that not all companies have because they're kind of look, used to looking at what they want to know as opposed to hearing what the conversation is. And so I think that ability to really objectively hear the conversation is what's so critical. And I think to your point, you know, it's really easy for brands to misstep, uh, if you're not listening really carefully because you're listening for certain things and not others. And I think right now there is, um, there's so many conversations going on that you really do have to be open to listening to things that you might not think directly relate to your business, but do, right? Yeah. 
what what challenges do you feel, if any, Wells Fargo had in regards to um, whether it be community banking or, um, I guess, um, technology or anything in relation to fintech? Something as like, I mean, I don't know if you guys have anything or uh, our opinion or position on something as simple as like um, cryptocurrency, but. What uh what challenges do you think you guys have faced and and overcome in in recent years? Yeah, I mean, I think um, to your point, I think it's really um, it's that modernization, innovation, right, digitization, uh, and and kind of being data driven. I think all of those have been challenges. But I think again, you know, we are a big company. We're lucky that we have. Uh, significant resources, uh, and so being able to, you know, try to stay at the forefront of all those, we're not always necessarily going to be the leader, but I think choosing when and how we want to lead and then when we can kind of come in right behind other leaders is, um, has worked for us. And so I think, you know, we've had other challenges around our brand in the last few years coming out of our sales practice issues. And I think one of the things we've done well is try to just focus on serving our customers and, you know, being there for them when they need us. And, and particularly during COVID, I think trying to make sure that we were, uh, again, you know, communicating openly, transparently, and consistently um, is something that has served us well, right, as we go through this. I agree. I um I, I don't personally have a Wells Fargo account, but I, I know a couple of people who have been really, really happy with their, their baking service. They, they are, they are. Well, we'll have to get you an account. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, they, okay. they are a, a older crowd. I, I think, um, as the, the demographic shifts, um, and, and like, you know, younger people are sort of now sort of figuring out where they want to hold their money, especially the, this generation that's gone through so much and they've gone through all these financial woes and they've seen their parents suffer through the the recession. Um, how do you think yeah. Wells Fargo is, is addressing that, that change in demographic and, and possibly attracting, I don't like to, I don't like the label millennial, but like, you know, that, that next, that yeah. next generation. Well, I think one of the things that is, you know, that we are uh, learning is that, Yes, digital models and, and being, you know, mobile first are critical because particularly Gen X or Gen Z, you know, that's how they want to engage and transact. But what we are learning, especially during this crisis, is that people also want advice and guidance. They want to be able to talk to somebody when they actually don't know what to do. And that's where, you know, for Wells Fargo with our, you know, with our broad set of channels that people can engage with us on, whether it's with an advisor or a banker or in a call center, that we're seeing that that's really a critical differentiator, if you will, uh, in serving future generations because it's not going to be to the same degree. So they may not interact by phone routinely, but to have that capability when and while, when and when they need it and want it and to be able to provide that advice and guidance is really important. And so, you know, I think that's a great example of where, you know, you have to be really clear about what, what people want and need when and how as they mature and evolve their needs will change and how do we address those needs? And then, you know, for us, it's a little bit of how do we then adapt our model so that we continue to stay lean and we continue to stay efficient, but that we are able to provide what people want, which is often a relationship. And I know even with retail, there's a lot of research that even though Gen Zers love buying online, they love shopping, but they yeah. actually like going into a store. 
And so, you know, I think that's a lesson for all of us not to, you know, it's not the demise of retail necessarily. It's the, it's the changing nature of retail. And I think kind of that idea of how are things changing as opposed to necessarily, you know, a binary of in or out is yeah, important. Definitely. And I think uh, when the, sh- the shift in retail, what's going on with like, you know, the malls, I mean, I'm in Jersey, so we, we love our malls here, but like, you know, there's obviously been a decline in, in visitors and so on and so forth. I'm thinking from a marketing perspective, stores maybe have to create, um, they have to go beyond just having product or, or whatever, because I feel like Amazon has the whole, uh, I guess convenience aspect. So if a store creates or if a brick and mortar situation creates, uh, experiential, situation where people feel like they need to physically be there then that's that's one of the advantages versus digital where you experience that that's very like an abstract thing versus like a concrete experience right right that's right um i i could just ask you a a last question um why banking for i mean on a personal note why you you're you have all this marketing experience um why go into banking versus any other industry? Um, you know, I've always felt that um, banks, you know, banks have this tremendous inherent asset, which is that you, people trust you with their money, right? It's like an incredible gift that you're given that somebody actually wants you to help them manage their finances. Um, and I've always just felt that banks have an incredible opportunity to be there for consumers in a way that creates very strong brand relationships. So um, as a marketer, I think you're always looking at how do you create you know, enduring relationships and enduring brand value. And I've always felt that banking was sort of under under leveraged and, and maybe under delivering on that and that there was this kind of opportunity for the right bank to come in and kind of be the one that does that. And, you know, all banks have their challenges. And I think as an industry, as you pointed out, I don't think the industry is always heralded as the one that's the most customer-centric and the most customer-focused. I just think as a marketer, you believe in the values of a company, then you really want that to be um, visible and experienceable by your stakeholders. And so I think that's why the it's kind of the challenge, right? I worked for Whirlpool as well, and I remember people saying, oh my gosh, how could you work for an appliance company? But it's like, it's a challenge because, you know, those companies also play a really important role in people's lives. And being working for a company where you get to help evolve the nature of what those relationships are and hopefully build that trust uh, is what's always very exciting, I think, as a marketer. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate your, your time. I appreciate you coming on, Jamie. You know, it was very informative. Okay. And I'll definitely take a second look at what's yeah, Well, thank you. Thanks very much. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Catalyst Case, Sendstroke, Wildhorn Outfitters, and, of course, Blue Microphone. This is Reg, and you're listening to Thought Hack.